3: I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Cramer America. I'll be one of my friends. I'm just trying to make you money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1 800 743 CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. The bull is dead. <laughs> Long live the bull. And that's been running through my head ever since we started learning more about what the Federal Reserve has in store for us. To me, this market is pivot, and we need to pivot with it. Now. No, no, You will pivot with it even if you have to be dragged kicking and screaming doing so. That includes a daily today where the averages start off ugly, then recover. Dow finishing up 87 points, S&P advancing 0.43 percent, NASDAQ inching up 0.06 percent. And this was actually a very pivotal day. During I was a hack journalist writing three stories daily about homicide, devouring all the Dashiell Hammett, Raymond Chandler, James M. Cain I could get my hands on. I always had the, in the back of my mind that you had to slaughter your pearls, those phrases that you thought were so ironic, so bold, so brilliant that you put in your articles. Those were the ones that had to cut, even if they felt like your best work. Kill your darlings. Kill your darlings is writing 101. I bring this up because when you get a pivot in the stock market, a real sea change like we're having right now, it's tough to slaughter your pearls, to take what brought you to these exalted levels and realize they aren't getting you anything. They're not going higher. If anything, it might be what drags your portfolio much lower. You see, when the Fed decides to raise interest rates aggressively to stop inflation, two things happen. First, whatever is working can't continue to work as well. And second, whatever isn't working can get a new lease on life. So let's take two real-life examples, because I think this explains what you see is what the future is. We're going to do Amazon and Eli Lilly. Amazon is the cornerstone of Fang. The bellwether tech stock of our generation. We bought a ton of Amazon for the travel trust when President Trump decided it was getting the better of the post office back in 2018. Since then, we have a double. Nice. Recently, Amazon reported one of the best quarters I've ever seen. And what the stock did, well, it ran up a tad, but it's been giving it up ever since. And the stock's now down more than 5% for the year. It's a huge disappointment because it's already reported an amazing quarter and the market couldn't have cared less. Do you think next time's amazing quarter will be any different? No way. You always must pay attention to what happens to a stock after a great quarter. If the answer is nothing good, then it might be the last great quarter. Meanwhile, Amazon stock sells an extremely high price earnings multiple. It's got a really lofty $1.6 trillion valuation, huge amount of money. When the Fed decides to kill off an inflationary spiral with higher rates, you're not supposed to buy expensive growth stocks. The hedge fund playbook says that you should sell stocks like Amazon until the tightening cycle is nearly over. Very hard to fight against that, even for this Amazon lover. Now let's consider Eli Lilly. This is a huge position for our travel trust, which, let's be clear, has moved to CNBC from the old website I started. is up huge for the trust. Why? Because when the Fed starts hitting the brakes on the economy, money managers circle the wagons around recession-proof stocks, including Big Pharma. I could tell you that Lilly's doing well because of its diabetes-slash-weight-loss drug or its impressive work with the brain to roll back plaque in Alzheimer's patients. But the fact is... We've got a new bull market and recession-proof names that can keep putting up good numbers even in the face of a slowdown. And Lilly is a prime example of what is working in this market. There are a lot more Lilies than there are Fags. There's nothing great, by the way, happening at Bristol-Myers or Merck or even out Labs, which the trust just sold, sadly. But they're all being reevaluated upward because they're from the very big cohort that wins when the Fed is tightening. It's not just Pharma. Take a look at the food stocks. We keep hearing about food inflation, packaging inflation, freight inflation, that they're killing your bottom lines. Conagra just reported a name. Normally we would have sent the stock down 5%, right? Well, what happens? The stock actually goes higher. That's investors betting that Conagra is slowdown proof and inflation is running its course. Call it the last inflation addled quarter or the last bad quarter. We've seen the same thing happen with General Mills. Wow, what a monster that's been. J.M. Smucker, which are on that one, they've been horses. Even though the businesses are just okay, and the raw costs are obviously bad. When you go out with stock people and everybody will say, hey, hey, is this the time to buy Church and Dwight? That was a fantastic growth stock that's been just stopped in its track for years. Well, guess what? Take a look at that one. Packaging, freight costs and all going higher. What has to happen here? I'm adamant that you need to be very conservative with the FANG names and their ilk. I said that the other day with David Faber, and David interpreted, and you know, I understand that as saying that I, I don't like the market. No, unfortunately, I created this, okay? So it's very, very tough to, for me to say, you know what? It doesn't work in this environment. But we haven't had this environment in a very long time. As I told investors on our wild, self-flaginatory, crazy investing club call that you really just sign up to listen, and just gonna, it's going to knock your socks off. Of all these growth names, the only two that I put fresh money into, the only two, I bet you don't, can't guess, Alphabet and Meta. That's because they're not expensive on next year's earnings. Especially when you back up the hundred forty billion on Alphabet's balance sheet, there's no greater return on investment for a small business owner, by the way, than search ads on Google. Because Google can tell you how many people came exactly from where to from where to your store. Believe me, if you type best Mexican in Brooklyn, you're invariably going to go be led to Bar San Miguel. And Google can prove they're responsible for the traffic by showing you where the query was asked and then by following the query blue line to you. ka Who else knows what advertising's worth? No one knows. This one tells you. As for Facebook, all I can say is, have you looked at reels lately? You know, the one that's the second-rate one versus TikTok? I think it'll end up being better and more popular than TikTok, because Mark Zuckerberg is working on it personally to make that happen. Although I I say that as someone with zero understanding of the medium, I have a great understanding of Facebook, though, and their ability to copycat is second to none. All right, now, pivots don't happen on a dime, even if it feels that way. This one's very hard, because for a long time, the whole stock market bowed to fang, fang and friends. It was a bull market in a handful of stocks, a bear market in hundreds, if not thousands of others. Now the bear is changing to a bull, and most of that will happen over the course of the next month. The moves like the one in Target today and Essential Merchant with great sales are initially outsized, but they'll keep going now that the Fed is on the warpath. And by the way, just to touch, I could put up, you know, all the popular semis are the same. They all look the same. They are the same. When you look at the big gains though in the drug stocks, you may think you've missed the pivot. Not at all. The oils, they're fantastic. Anything healthcare, just getting started. The utilities, insane, maybe hold off for a while. Fast foods, dynamite, and then battleground of retail, gonna be won by the Bulls. Here's the toughest one. The financials. It's nice to have a market led by Costco and United Health. But if you're like me, you need to see a giant stepping stone to prove the validity of this bull market. And in order for that to happen, we need to see the banks rally when they report. The Federal Reserve is raising short-term interest rates, which instantly makes the banks more profitable. They should benefit substantially, just like they did in the member that 1990-1992 period. Of course, nobody does except for me. Mostly because Alan Greenspan was worried about the financials, wanted to make them make easier money. That's what's going to happen again. Why aren't people focused on that? Because they were in diapers or feet pajamas or something? The bottom line, if, if we get the financials going here, the healthcare is more retailers, even if we lose the trillionaire stocks, which would be sad, we'll have a much healthier bull market than we have had in many years past. I need to go to David in New York. David. Thank you, Jim. Booyah. Booyah. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. A fan of your show and appreciate all that you do for us. Uh, oh, investors. thank you. I hope you're, you should join the club, man. We did some kind of a real teaching session today like you've never seen in your whole life. What's up? Fantastic. Uh, I'd like to get your perspective on Starbucks. I'm a significant investor. The stock has come under a lot of pressure here, down over 25% year to date. And uh, there's quite a few moving pieces here heading up into the earnings call April 27th. I, I really like the brand and the product. I think they have some pricing power left still in this context of the inflationary environment. But they have some headwinds. Uh, unionization risk started in Buffalo. Now it's going across the stores. Schultz stepped back in as the CEO and announced suspension of the share buyback to focus on investments and people and stores, but they have a large debt load. And uh, we're seeing increasing pressure from Dutch Bros as, as competition may be heating up. So I'd love to get your take. All right. Howard Schultz is there. I am a huge believer in Howard Schultz. I think he will figure out who should run the company. And the next five months will be a learning lesson for everyone watching how to make it so this company reignites, even with high inflation, even with China lockdown, even with union issues, because that's what Howard will do. And Howard, I do trust. And by the way, I told Howard about the annihilator and Dutch Bros a long time ago. But you know what? It takes two tango. When the Fed decides to tighten, whatever is working can't continue to work as well. And whatever isn't working will get some new lease on life. And that's what's happening now. But get this, if we get the financials to go along with the health care and the retail move, even if we lose the trillion dollar bull market, we will have a much wider, broader, healthier bull market than we've had in years. Matt, tonight, you getting the Best Buy in Best Buy at eight times earnings, shares down over 10% over the past month, good dividend. I got a chance to sit down with the CEO at the company's Midtown Manhattan stores. They make things, sell things out of profit, give money back to shareholders. Last time look, looked, that was good. Then with the Masters underway and the Masters and Tiger Woods on the score and the course, could an investment in golf be a hole in one for your portfolio? I'm hitting the links to find out. And I've got the green jacket that's going, that's deserving. Hey, by the way, it's evening at Conagra. Attorneys. I'm sitting down with the CEO to find out how the company positioning itself in a volatile market. Masters Conagra, always in the same sentence. Stay with Kramer.
4: Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to MadMoney at CNBC.com.
3: What do we do with a retailer like Best Buy that's already come down dramatically from its highs to the point where it now sells for a paltry 10 times earnings? This stock can't get any love because Wall Street's so worried about a recession. But at some point, it simply gets too cheap to ignore, given that the new criteria we saw with HP, Inc. I mean, wow, maybe people want this stuff at home again. Have we reached the buying point with Best Buy? Earlier today, we had the chance to speak with Corey Barry, the CEO of Best Buy, at one of her beautiful midtown Manhattan stores. Take a look. Corey, when you talk about Best Buy, you don't talk about equipment, you don't talk about the beautiful store, you talk
6: about purpose. Why? Purpose is the foundation of why we exist on the planet. Our purpose, we believe, is to enrich lives through technology. And don't confuse it with a tagline. It is genuinely why we exist on the planet. If you were to talk to any employee in this store, they do their job because they want to help the customer accomplish something, not for just a SKU or a product. The customer wants to do something. They want a better home office. They want a better kitchen. They want to entertain with their kids. And I think for our employees, really staying focused on the reason we exist on the planet differently than anyone else has been really core to our belief system.
3: To some degree, that has to explain why you have among the lowest turnover of any retailer, turnover being the bane of the profit existence.
6: I think it is a combination platter. So, of course, you have to pay fairly. Of course, you need to be competitive. You also have to have an array of benefits that are specific to a multitude of needs, everything from mental health benefits to caregiving benefits to paid time off for part-time employees. And you have to have a career path and a purpose that every employee can tie their own work into it has to matter when you come every one of us want to matter when we come to work every single day well
3: to some degree that must uh, offset what people used to say that you're the showroom of amazon that's passed
6: I think that, I think we're well past that. And again, it's because when you really are focused in on the full suite of what a customer needs, again, not just a product, getting right. there as fast as you can, but really helping someone with all their needs. It's just a different experience. We feel like that is our differentiated niche in the market.
3: All right. So uh, uh, you had a great run because people started doing uh, stay at home, uh, have to uh, develop an office. There are people now who are saying that's
6: a bubble and it's been popped. Do you see it that way? I think there are many permanent behaviors that we've seen during the pandemic. We've done a ton of research that would say things like, there's four times as much streaming content now as there was pre-pandemic. There's more cooking at home than there ever has been. There's more gaming and particularly social gaming than there's ever been at home. And hybrid appears to be the model of the future. I'm not going to work 100% at home, probably not going to work 100% at the office, and I'm going to need two setups for all those things. And they should be equal now because we realize the first one was ad hoc. And not only equal, but you need those things to work together. I need to be able to bring my work computer home and have it work on my home network and my home printer, and then I'm going to need to take my home iPad to work so I can see the content while I'm in the meeting. All of those things constantly work together, and you're going to continue to want to upgrade those. I was just reading an article yesterday that said, you shouldn't have two screens, you should have one ultra-large screen that's easier on your eyes. So this idea of constant innovation in our industry is actually probably one of the least understood factors.
3: Who should be my IT at home?
6: Well, and, that's that, and not just yours, but maybe for your parents, maybe for your kids. Our goal is to take that burden off of you and be there to both support you when things aren't working the way that you want, but also, importantly, to inspire you. Many people will tell us, our research would say, most people don't believe they're getting the most out of their technology. We can help you get more out of it. Well, talk to me about membership in Total Tech. So Total Tech is our paid membership program. As a reminder, 199 a year, and it covers everything from support. Now, let me pause on support for a second. That's not just break fit. Fix. That is, my printer fell off the network because it needs a firmware upgrade and I don't know how to do it. And it's on all the technology in your home, whether you bought it from us or not. Now, on the tech you buy from us, you get an included two-year warranty. So you get that, that break-fix confidence. You also get 60-day returns, member pricing. This, Importantly, I've been asked a few times, like, who did you model this after? We didn't. We built this membership program based on what we do uniquely, incredibly well that others don't do. Again, back to our purpose, our unique purpose.
3: Now, we've got higher gasoline prices. Uh, We have a Fed that is determined to break inflation. We have a lot of people who right now are doing well because of stimulus benefits, but those are running
6: out. What does that mean for you? What does it mean for Best Buy? I think there's two things you can say about the consumer right now. Uneven and unpredictable. So uneven means, yes, you have all those things, but you also still have you have a very strong housing market and yet mortgage rates increasing rapidly. Right. You do have still strong balance sheets, but you can also see interest rates probably rising and credit getting a little higher. You have geopolitical unrest. So you've got this consumer who's kind of got two sides of the teeter totter at any given point, And you know better than anyone every day that is changing for the consumer. What we said is heading into this year. We expected this year to be softer, especially after two years of elevated demand. And we said specifically we expected the first half to be slightly softer because you are lapping so many things. But You
3: made made it very clear what the numbers would be, and yet some of the analysts still felt that you fell uh, short on both sales and margins. I looked at what you said. You did what you said. Apparently, people must have expected some sort of... Crazy upside surprise.
6: I think what we try to go back to is you, you have to look at the culmination of time here over the last now just over two years. Right. We've added $8 billion, 20 percent to the top line. We've expanded margins, incredibly grown earnings per share, 62 percent. Um, and and that that fundamentally stronger position. I mean, we are well ahead of the targets we'd set for fiscal 25. So even in our opinion, even a slight step back, you're still way ahead of where you thought you would be. And importantly, we believe this is the moment to invest in the business. Again, back to the purpose for us to continue to uniquely serve our customers, things like total tech, investing right. in the store experience, ensuring we invest in new businesses like health. We feel like now is the time for us to make those investments so you can continue that outside. Before
3: we get to health, which I think has got a, a, comp, a really amazing compound annual growth. Uh, last night, Warren Buffett took an 11 percent stake in a Packard. How do the Eula Packard computers move here
6: and printers? Yeah, I think it's – I'm going to take a step even back from Hewlett-Packard. I think his investment – I can't tell you what Warren Buffett's thinking – but I think right. his investment exemplifies our general point, which is people are going to use technology more than ever, and they're going to want to upgrade technology more than ever. We are already seeing upgrade cycles shorten in, for our customers in areas like computing and home theater. So people are interested in this new tech and a company like Hewlett-Packard, which is constantly spending billions of dollars in innovation – That is exactly the space that I think will be interesting in the future.
3: Uh, When I met you first, you mentioned that you took the big hit early on a supply chain. You weren't going to get caught. I think that you uniquely uh, do import a lot, but didn't have a supply chain problem.
6: I mean, our teams, uh, full credit to our teams, to your point, had the foresight to make investments. We started in 2017 because we felt like digital was going to continue at high penetration rates. And then, I mean the the thing that's a little bit different about consumer electronics it hit right at the beginning of the right. pandemic so our teams have been navigating supply chain challenges for the better part solid for two years which means they deepen vendor relationships they deepen partner relationships both uh internationally and here domestically and so the teams have really worked hard to navigate what's been spotty so now we feel like we're in a really what? good inventory you position there's still spots of course right. but on the whole the team has really navigated beautifully
3: the uh the healthcare initiative you have is important. Tim Cook has said that's going to be his legacy. What are you doing in healthcare that has that kind of remarkable growth?
6: I think there's a few parts to healthcare. One is the quantity of consumer products around healthcare right. condition management, like connected glucose monitors, sleep management, hearing management, um, even just connected blood pressure cuffs, EKGs. Connected fitness, I mean, it's, it's just exploding in products. That is our wheelhouse. That's what we're great at. Wow. But we're also helping on the aging side. There are more people who want to age at home with the help of technology. And that's both connected devices that might have a button and a service that can help you if you need it. But sometimes it's as simple as a Google Nest that can help you keep an eye on a loved one that they can also use to ask questions.
3: Well, I think you've done a remarkable job. And the story here, great balance sheet, great dividend. Great sales, great CEO, the CEO being Corey Barry, CEO of Best Buy. Thank you so much. Thank you.
4: Coming up, time to hit the links? Kramer goes for Birdie with a scratch analysis of golf stocks,
2: next. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.
6: Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business.
3: Today, the 86th Masters Tournament began at Augusta National Golf Club in Georgia. Getty looks a buzz this year because Tiger Woods is back for the first time after nearly losing his leg in a devastating car accident. But for me... This is the day to highlight the golf stocks that have pulled back dramatically after they peaked along with the rest of the market late last year. I'm talking about two pure play golf equipment companies Cushnet Holdings, that's the parent company of Footjoy and Titleist, and Callaway Golf, which owns the Callaway brand and also has some invested in some modern golf concepts that we have to hit upon. They're very hard to value. Now, I've been a fan of these two stocks for years, and if you bought them my recommendation, you've got some terrific long-term gains. But there's no escaping that they've become poor performers over the past several months. We get many calls from Callaway in particular, and it's long past time for us to take a fresh look at these golf stores. And also show you how to value companies if you have been kind of figuring out, well, I want to buy that because I like it. Unfortunately, after many years of upside, of upside, both the Kushnet and Callaway peaked last year. Callaway's come down more than 40 percent from its highs last summer, a Kushnet off 30 percent from its peak last November, when a lot of the stocks reached their top. Why are they getting hit? Now, some of this weakness is justified. Some of it's based on false perception. The part that is justified is that golf seems to have run out of steam since last summer, at least as measured by the number of rounds played. After steadily rising for a few years, we started seeing year-over-year declines in rounds played last summer, including five straight down months from July to November. I think a simple explanation here, the first year of the pandemic, golf was one of the few safe ways to socialize. But once people started getting vaccinated last spring, that opened up all kinds of other sports, too. The other problem here is that both the Cush Dent and Callaway make physical products that require metals, plastics, resin oh, man, all this stuff has gone up in price. So they're facing the same problem with raw costs uh, as every other manufacturer. Now, also, the same goes for freight costs, although I think that those have uh, peaked. Uh, I do think that it spurred many investors to take profits rather than take beatings. Finally, there's the widespread perception that the golf stocks were COVID winners. For the last six months, those stocks have been totally out of favor on Wall Street. I'm of two minds here. Cushnet and Callaway certainly won during the worst stage of the pandemic. No denying that. But I think it's crazy to put them in the same bucket as say I don't know Peloton or like a Zoom Video. So how are these two companies actually doing? Let's start with the Cushnet, which is a simpler story. These guys haven't changed their strategy much at all. Cushnet is a small portfolio of golf brands, headlined by FootJoy for apparel, shoes, and gloves, and Titleist for equipment like golf balls, along with a number of smaller brands. I actually know something. I know these brands. I'm not that much of a golfer. When you look at the numbers, the Cushnet put up three excellent. Uh, Uh, beat and raised quarters last year. But then when they reported their fourth quarter numbers a month ago, mixed. While these guys delivered another big revenue beat, 33% sales up year over year, their earnings actually came in weaker than expected. We got a larger than anticipated loss. While the full year forecast was excellent, management had some not so encouraging things to say about supply chain headwinds in the conference call. It makes me dizzy how many times I've heard this. In short, 2021 was a terrific year for a cushion that fell off a bit in the last three months, although management still pretty darn bullish about 2022. Given their long-term track record, I don't see anything here that can justify the 30% decline in the stock from its November highs. Nothing. Sure, they got supply chain lows, but they've still managed to deliver tremendous sales and earnings growth last year. Thanks to the stock's recent meltdown, a cushion is up for only 15 times this year's earnings estimates. I like that. It makes it as cheap as... As it's been in any point the last two years. In short, I think this is a great moment to take a swing at a Cushnet. All right, but how about Callaway? Ah, darn! When it was just this, it was so easy. It's so difficult now. It's really complicated. Well, Callaway is a core golf supplies business where they make everything from apparel and footwear to accessories and equipment. Over the years, they've made a series of acquisitions that brought them into golf-related entertainment or even some non-golf categories. So, For instance, at the beginning of 2019, Callaway bought this Jack Wolfskin, a premium European outdoor power brand. Now, initially, I questioned the reason behind this move, but eventually I came around to it because the Jack Wolfskin brand actually put up some pretty good darn numbers. Then there's Topgolf, which is a driving range that's so much fun, focused on entertainment concept. Topgolf itself has a few other businesses, like Top Tracer. That's a ball tracing technology that's used in most golf broadcasts these days. And World Golf Tour, which is a golf game you can play on your smartphone. Callaway op- uh, owned a stake in Topgolf for years, and then in late 2020, they decided to buy the entire thing. The thing about this deal is that it, it cost them a lot of money. it was very expensive. At the time, Callaway had a $1.8 billion market capitalization, and its transaction valued Topgolf at $2 billion, although it was an all-stock deal, so they didn't have to shell out any cash. Still, they had to create a ton of new shares. I did not like this deal. Thanks to these moves, Callaway has transformed itself from a golf equipment and apparel business into something more like a pastiche, if not a mosaic, of entertainment venues, media properties, even technology. Of course, they tell a good story about how these businesses are complementary. And, and at the time of the Topgolf deal, managers said they had a clear line of sight to more than $1 billion in earnings for interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization, although they said it would take some time. However, because they issued so much stock in order to buy Topgolf, Callaway's earnings per share took a real hit. Remember, when you increase the denominator, the number of shares, the earnings per share go down, down, and then down some more. Calvary earned more than a dollar per share in 2019, but because of all that stock they issued, they're not expecting to get back north of a dollar per share again until 2024. I don't like that. This year, the company's on track to make eight, make 66 cents per share. That's delusion. Putting aside the deluge of new shares, the actual business is doing pretty well. The company reported an unbroken series of strong quarters last year, and in their most recent results, they also gave us an encouraging full-year forecast for 2022. But here's the issue. By making all these entertainment-related acquisitions, Callaway's become less of a tangible business, more of a conceptual one. Oh, man, you know how I feel about that. The conceptual stocks all went out of style last November, which is why Callaway shares have been annihilated here. And it's hard to say that this one's cheap, even after such a vicious decline. these levels, if Callaway sells it, Still, 34 times this year's earnings, 26 times next year's numbers. You can make a better case for it using the stock's enterprise multiple, the enterprise value divided by EBITDA. But this is a market that places a premium on earnings per share, so forget about that. Longer term, I think Callaway's got a pretty good ghost story. That said, it's probably not the right fit for this market. Now, the bottom line, AAA golf stocks have been obliterated here. And if you want to be opportunistic, especially in light of the masters, I like a Kushnet more than Callaway. At least for the remainder of 2022. I need to go to Mark in Florida. Mark, hi Jim. Uh, Mark. I hope you can sleep well tonight without sweating. No, I can't. Well, yeah, actually, because the market went my way. That's yeah. what, and that is Fred, just so people know that's that's he, uh, Mark. listened to the, to the conference call we did. The club call at 12:30. Thank you for being a member of the club. Fantastic. Uh, my question is about Dick
1: Sporting Goods. It's highly rated sells for a very low P.E. of just under seven, uh, has a a recent price target of 134, and it's
3: making money. I know there was a pop today, but basically, why is this going nowhere? Okay, it's going nowhere for the same reason that Best Buy was going nowhere and Target until today was going nowhere. No sponsorship. People are about to come to this stock and they're going to buy it. And it's going to surprise you because we're on the other side of the trade now. Now that the Fed has gotten serious on inflation, all these companies that have taken a beating on inflation, they're the ones to buy. Bruce in Louisiana. Bruce. Jim, thanks for taking my call. Absolutely. I've uh, got a stock, POOL,
2: P-O-O-L. They make everything for swimming pools, construction, maintenance and even how to have fun in them. I've owned the stock for a couple of years, and it's been excellent. And with spring here, everybody who has a pool is probably spending a couple of grand on it, getting it ready for summer. But since the, the, the beginning of the year, the stock has slowly been evaporating in value. I've been adding to the position because I have faith
3: in the stock. Right. I would like to you, should I stay in the pool or get out and towel off? That is such a well-run company. I am really loath to tell you to sell it. It's just one of those stocks that peaked along with the rest of the market. When people decided they didn't want this kind of stock anymore, but it sells it now. It's all the way down. It sells a little more than 20, 24 times earnings. I, I see no reason to sell it. I like it. It's got 20% growth. All right. The golf world is buzzing today. As Tiger makes a miraculous return from Masters. The golf stocks, however, not so good. If you want to be opportunistic, I say take a hard look at a Kushner, the parent company of Footjoy and Titles, uh, it's certainly over Callaway, at least with the end of the year. Much more mad money, yet. with inflation biting into kind of Who is it not biting into? I'm finding out how the company's preparing for the unknowns in this market. Don't miss my exclusive for the CEO. Then Warren Buffett's making a big bet on HP, with shares soaring to an all-time high today. I'll tell you if the rally can last. And all your calls rapid fire in today's edition of The Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. On a day where the market was able to make a stunning turnaround, we also saw a nice reversal and a powerful bellwether for the challenge package food category. I'm talking about Conagra branch. That's the parent of Bra- Birdseye. A Marie Calendar, Healthy Choice, Slim Jims, many other brands. See, this morning, Conagra reported a solid quarter in-line earnings, a with better than expected sales. Management did give you some dismal guidance for the current quarter and actually cut their four-year earnings forecast. Not much, though. Initially, the stock got hammered it went down 5% in pre-market trading. But as the conference call got going, Conagra told an encouraging story that allowed the stock to rebound. As Management talked about strong demand, successful price increases, new products. Eventually, the stock finished the day up a few cents. Pretty good resulting, well, when you consider that it was way down before it opened. So, what can we learn here? Let's check in with Sean Conley. He's the president of Conagra Brands. Get a better read on the quarter and what's, come, what's coming next, because it could be very different from what you think. Mr. Conley, welcome back to Mad Money.
1: Hey, Jim. Thanks for having me.
3: Okay, so, Sean, I'm going to take a different, uh, let's just say, a different outlook toward you. And I know that you said once burn, twice shy on the call, but the stock is telling me that you are finally too conservative about inflation. Now, I don't want to jinx you, but you know the stock didn't seem to mind when you said that there's more inflation coming. Well, Jim, we
1: have not been overly optimistic in terms of our inflation outlook so far this year. And yet the inflation has been higher than we've expected, even though we've we've taken a fairly conservative approach to it. Uh, But, you know, bottom line is the fundamentals of our business are extremely strong. We are growing. We grew our organic net sales six percent of the quarter. We're gaining market share. Our innovation is resonating strongly. And it is an inflationary environment. And as a manufacturer, you come to understand that inflation happens. And sometimes when it happens, it can be both acute and persistent, as we've seen lately. The key in an environment like that to navigate it effectively is you've got to have strong brands and you've got to have perseverance. And we've got both. And we just got to work through the mechanics of how this works. Really simple. We experience higher uh, costs. That triggers a price increase between us and our customers. Then about 90 days later, the benefit of that price increase falls into our P&L. The key during all of that is we have to watch our volumes and watch elasticity of demand. And our elasticities have been very benign. Our growth has been strong. And, And interestingly, in three of our biggest businesses, Healthy Choice, Bird's Eye Voila, and Slim Jim, We've experienced double digit growth over the last quarter and volumes that are absolutely that are actually growing in the absolute, despite the fact that we've been compelled to take these price increases. Well, well, so well, business tells- is strong. We just have to get through
3: it. Well, that tells me the consumer and in your documents, you say it is not trading down, not resisting the price increases. What is that? Say? I know it says great things about your brand, but it does it does not also say that maybe the consumer is stronger than we think.
1: Well there there are two things at play here. One is the brand portfolio is working for the consumer. The other thing is what really came out of the pandemic. A lot of our young consumers during the pandemic learned to spend more time in their house, get comfortable in their house, get their entertainment in their house, and interestingly, cook in their house, a behavior that wasn't such a huge behavior before. And guess what? They liked it. And they found products like our frozen meals portfolio that they love, our snacks portfolio And now that we've got an overall inflationary environment and they're trying to stretch their household balance sheet, there's no better way to do that than to prepare and eat meals in the home. And that's really the consumer trend that we track most closely. What's happening to in-home eatings? And in-home eatings were strong during the early days of the pandemic, but now in this inflationary environment, they've remained strong and those eating occasions have proven quite sticky, particularly with brands that have been modernized like our brands. And we see these consumers coming back again and again and again.
3: Okay, so let's take a look at what you got loaded here. Uh, You got uh, cauliflower crust, a Dunkin' Ons epic pumpkin spice cookie kit, uh, voila, open baked uh, meals from Birdseye, uh, Act 2 hot and spicy. Now, when you put these in your on your drawing board, do you say a cinnamon uh, toast crunch that they're needle movers or are they just beachheads?
1: You know what the consumer is looking for in food are, are provocative varieties and flavors, and and that's really what you just rattled off there. And and a lot of it comes from the, the the work we do to understand what consumers like and what their frustration points are. Interestingly, one of the innovations on that slide, Jim, made me think of you today. It's called our it's called Marie Callender's Duos. And it came out of a consumer insight that when consumers go to restaurants, many times they find two meals that they want and they can't decide between the two. Our solution is let's give them both. So I thought of Bar San Miguel and I thought maybe you offer up a tostada and an enchilada on the same plate and you got a solution for your, shop, for your customers. That, come to
3: think of it, that's a really good idea. We don't do that. People like a combination, but if there's only two people, they get stuck with what they ordered. I like that. Now, um, the parts of the component that are inflation. We had a fellow yesterday, uh, only two days ago, from, from Uber Freight, who said, look, Jim, it's happening. The, the drivers are coming back. The freight rates are coming down. Uh, it's the beginning. Uh, and I thought of you. And I said, you know what? Anything's possible. There, are, there, are, there is trucking. There is freight. There are drivers. I mean, can something go right, Sean? Can something go right?
1: Yeah, we're due for some green shoots, Jim. And and we are seeing green shoots in the transportation area. But I'll tell you, we planned inflation for our fourth quarter to be up about 20 and a half percent versus oh. two years ago before this cycle started. We actually got 26 percent in a quarter. Now, I've been doing this 30 years. I haven't seen that before. And that's why we just have to respond to it. At some point, there's going to be some relief. But this is where the perseverance piece comes in. We got to stick. We got to continue to Take these responsive actions, which we've done. The brands need to continue to hold up, which they've done. And then we'll get through this, uh, because many times on the other side of this, we've actually got some some pretty strong performance.
3: Well, I mean, do you think that at a certain point, uh, let's say a a consumer will say, you know what? Uh, I don't need to buy Birdseye. I can buy the one the store brand that I would frankly never buy. I like Birdseye. They say, "Okay, look, I'll trade down. I mean, is that ever going to happen?
1: It ha- we haven't seen much of it at all to speak of in our categories. We have uh, fairly low private label development in the categories okay. we compete in, below the average for the food industry. And, and our, our frozen meals business, as an example, we really don't have a, a, a entry point competitor there that we interact with. But what we do believe is that even in the face of some of the higher prices that are in the marketplace right now for our brands, we're still offering a superior relative value versus the alternatives, which could be a low quality product, but increasingly it's an away from home eating occasion that is markedly more expensive than our, eat, our food is, even at a modestly higher price. So we're winning that total value proposition even in the face of this inflation and then the ensuing pricing that comes behind it.
3: Well, look, congratulations on keeping up with uh, the inflation bear because you've done a remarkable job. And also a lot of new products. Pro- I'm, I'm going to go for a lot of those new products. They are my kind of thing. I eat alone a lot. They're perfect for me. That's Sean Conley, president and CEO of ConAgra Brand CAG. Hey, Sean, it's great to see you again. Good to see you, Jim. When you have a number where they talk about sky-high inflation and you don't get sky inflation... This is one of those stocks you must buy. Everybody's back here for the break.
4: Coming up, a storm is coming. So give us a call. Kramer's got the answers to all your burning questions. The lightning round is next.
3: And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski? Daddy, talk for the lightning round. let start with Warren in South Carolina. Warren.
2: Booyah, Jim Kramer. Long time, first time. Oh, fantastic. Uh, what, Thank
3: wanted
2: you. To get, wanted to get your wisdom on a stock that just split that I've owned uh, called ACMR. It's been very
3: good to me. Well, I got to tell you, it is um, very simple. Very, te- it's got a very cool techno- technology for all sorts of different applications. The stock is up uh, over time, but it sells it sells at twenty nine currencies. I'm not going to bless it, but I'm not going to tell you to sell it. How's that? Let's go to Aaron in Massachusetts. Aaron, hey Jim, booyah! How you doing, partner? I am doing well. How about you? I'm doing very good. Question today is on UiPath. Yeah. Oh, geez. You know, this is a great company a bad stock. What can I say? We're not recommending stocks that have gigantic losses anymore. We just can't. Let's go to Joe in Florida. Joe. Jim,
1: great to be talking with you. Thanks for taking my call.
3: Right back at I'm you. A of the, I'm a member of your investing club, and I thoroughly enjoyed the call today. Oh, that we thank had. you. I want everyone to join and listen to that call. I try to tell it like it is. How can I help? Hey, my question is on Hertz Corporation. Oh, Steve Scherz. Look, this company is run by this guy, Steve Scherz. He was just a genius at Goldman Sachs. I can't wait to have him on our show. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is to the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning
4: Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, nothing changes the game like a nod of the head from Nebraska. What the Buffett effect means for HP and your portfolio. Next.
3: Sometimes you get the story right and the stock wrong. That's how I felt after watching HP, the PC and printers business of the old Hewlett Packard, explode higher today after Warren Buffett took an 11% stake in the business. HP's up $5 and change, or nearly 15%, as the Oracle of Omaha has given his seal of approval. It makes sense. Buffett loves companies that spew cash and pay big dividends. That's HP in a nutshell. He adores companies that buy back their own stock aggressively. Ever since CEO Enrique Lourdes took over in November of 2019, he's retired roughly 400 million shares out of $1.5 total. One more thing. Buffett likes low-priced earnings multiple stocks. HP was trading at eight times earnings, and he clearly thought it was too cheap. I can't dispute any of this. But just the other day, I went negative on HP because I heard a lot of negativity about the PC business. After speaking to Sanjay Marotra, the CEO of Micron, which is a huge chip maker that supplies the PC makers, I felt a lot more cautious because he said business had gotten weaker of late. That resonated with me because I figured we were nearing the end of the work from home upgrade cycle. Once everybody buys a new computer for their home office, it's not like you need another one. So I turned negative. Then this morning, we learned that Buffett had taken a huge position in all that pessimistic chatter and it disappeared. It didn't matter that we'd done the homework, listening to Sanjay, checking with other semiconductor companies, which confirmed the same thing. The PC business has definitely gotten weaker. But now that doesn't matter. You go against Buffett, you're a fool. Just ask the people who shorted Occidental Petroleum, the overleveraged oil company, when it acquired Anadarko for a huge price. At its darkest hour, Buffett basically refinanced the whole business at a low rate saved it, crushed the short sellers. What does this mean for the broader market? I think it tells you that many of these low mobile stocks might have a brighter future than we expected. Good companies with good good products that return capital to their shareholders can always make you money if they're priced at the right levels. Now, what makes this doubly painful for me is that when I went to Best Buy this morning for my interview with CEO Corey Barry, I walked through the aisle after aisle of Really great-looking Hewlett-Packard computers. She said they were selling extremely well, thanks to work from home. Heck, I have one. I love it. Hey, perfect touchscreen. But I've done my checks. I would heard from the suppliers the business was weak, and I let that sway me. I still think the business is getting weaker, but being rigorous doesn't always lead to the right call. The irony, this time I would have been better off if I had simply said, you know, I like the computer, so I might as well buy the stock. That's total Bush-league thinking. But in this case, it would have steered you right. That's what's so tough about money management. Even when you do everything correctly, there's still a huge component that's all about luck. And at the end of the day, it's better to be lucky than good. If you want to go to the gaming tables with me and play blackjack, you're going to want to double down when you have an 11 and the dealer's showing a 6. That's objectively the right card. He knows it. But it doesn't mean you win every time. If you draw a 5 and he is an ace, well, let's just say you're done. Buffett drew an ace. I followed the book to the letter. And now I'm done. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I'm trying to find it just for you right here on Mid Money. I'm Jim Kramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. This
6: podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery.